Good afternoon and thank you very much for coming back and joining me for chapter 11 of Five Go Off to Camp. Oh my goodness me. Wow, 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 wow. And yesterday, if you remember, they found, they went looking for spook trains and they found a spook train. Did they not? Almost mysterious. So, what happens next? Hmm. Well, let's find out. In chapter 11, and chapter 11 is called Mostly About Jock. So here goes. The three boys stood rather close together, glad to feel each other in the darkness. They couldn't believe that they had found what they had come looking for so doubtfully. What kind of a train was this that had come rumbling out of the tunnel so mysteriously? And then, after a pause at the yard, had gone just as mysteriously back again. If only I hadn't twisted my ankle, we could have followed the train down the lines to the yard and have gone quite close to it up there, groaned Dick. What an ass I am messing things up at the most exciting moment. You couldn't help it, said Jock. Oh, we've seen the spook train. I can hardly believe it. Does it go all by itself with nobody to drive it? Is it a real train, do you think? Well, judging by the noise it made, it's real all right, said Julian. And it shot out smoke too. All the same, it's jolly strange. I can't say I like it much. Let's go and see what what's happened to Wooden Leg Sam, said Dick. I bet he's under his bed. They made their way slowly back to the yard, Dick limping a little, although his ankle was practically all right again. When they came to the yard, they looked towards Sam's hut. The light was no longer there. He's blown it out and got under the bed, said Dick. Poor Sam, it really must be terrifying for him. Let's go and peep into his hut. They went over to it and tried to see in at the window, but there was nothing to be seen. The hut was in complete darkness. Then suddenly a little flare flashed out somewhere near the floor. Look, there's Sam. He's lighting a match, said Julian. See, he's peeping out from under the bed. He looks scared stiff. Let's tap on the window and ask him if he's all right. But that was quite the wrong thing to do. As soon as Julian tapped sharply on the window... Sam gave an anguished yell and retired hurriedly under the bed again, his wavering matchlight going out. It's comfort to take me, they heard him wailing. It's comfort to take me and me with my wooden leg off too. Oh, we're only frightening the poor old fellow, said Dick. Come on, let's leave him. He'll have a fit or something if we call out to him. He honestly thinks the spook train's come to get him. They wandered around the dark yard for a few minutes, but there was nothing to find out in the darkness. No more rumbling came to their ears. 
the spook train was evidently not going to run again that night. Let's go back, said Julian. Oh, that really was exciting. Honestly, my hair stood on end when that train came puffing out of the tunnel. Where on earth did it come from? And what's the reason for it? They gave it up and began to walk back to the camp. They scrambled through the heather, tired but excited. Shall we tell the girls we've seen the train, said Dick. No, said Julian, it would only scare Anne, and George would be furious if she knew we'd gone without her. We'll wait and see if we discover anything more before we say anything, either to the girls or to old Luffy. Right, said Dick. You'll hold your tongue too, won't you, Jock? Course, said Jock scornfully. Who would I tell? My stepfather? Not likely. How furious he'd be if he knew we'd all poo-pooed his warnings and gone down to see the spook train after all. He suddenly felt something warm against his legs and gave a startled cry. What's this? Get away! But the warm thing turned out to be Timmy, who had come to meet three boys. He pressed against each of them in turn and whined a little. He says, why didn't you take me with you, said Dick. Sorry, old thing, but we couldn't. George would never have spoken to us again if we'd taken you and left her behind. How would you have liked spook trains to me? Would you have run into a corner somewhere and hidden? Woof, said Timmy scornfully, as if he would be afraid of anything. They reached their camping place and began to speak in whispers. Goodbye, Jock. Come up tomorrow if you can. Hope you don't have that Cecil boy to cope with. Goodbye. See you soon, whispered Jock, and disappeared into the darkness with Timmy at his heels. Another chance of a midnight walk. Oh, good, thought Timmy. Just what he'd like. It was hot in the tent, and a scamper in the cool night air would be fine. Timmy growled softly when they came near to Ollie's farm and stood still, the hackles on his neck rising up a little. Jock put his hand on the dog's head and stopped. What's the matter, old boy? Burglars or something? He strained his eyes in the darkness. Big clouds now covered the stars and there was no light at all to see by. Jock made out a dim light in one of the barns. He crept over to it to see what it was. It went out as he came near, and then he heard the sound of footsteps, the quiet closing of the barn door, and the click of a padlock as it was locked. <clears throat> Jock crept nearer, too near, for whoever it was must have heard him and swung round, lashing out with his arm. He caught Jock on the shoulder and the boy overbalanced. He almost fell and the man who had struck him clutched hold of him. A flashlight was put on and he blinked in the sudden light. It's you, Jock, said an astonished voice, rough and impatient. What are you doing out here at this time of night? Well, what are you doing, demanded Jock, wriggling free. He switched on his own torch and let the light fall on the man who had caught him. It was Peters, one of the farm men, who 
one in whose lorry he had ridden that very day. "'What's it to do with you?' said Peters angrily. "'I had a breakdown and I've only just got back here. "'Look here, you're fully dressed. "'Where have you been at this time of night? "'Did you hear me come in and get up to see what was happening?' "'You never know,' said Jock cheekily. "'He wasn't going to say anything that might make Peter suspicious of him. "'You just never know.' "'Is that Biddy?' said Peters.' seeing a sharp, a dark shadow slinking away. Do you mean to say you've been out with Biddy? What in the world have you been doing? Jock thanked his lucky stars that Peters hadn't spotted it was Timmy and not Biddy. He moved off without saying another word. Let Peters think what he liked. It was bad luck, though, that Peters had had a breakdown and come in late. If the man told his stepfather he'd seen Jock, fully dressed in the middle of the night, there would be questions asked by both his mother and his stepfather. And Jock, who was a truthful boy, would find it very difficult to explain things. He scuttled off to bed, climbing up the pear tree outside his window and dropping quietly into his room. He opened his door softly to hear if anyone was awake in the house, but all was dark and silent. Oh, blow, Peters, thought Jock. If he splits on me, I'm for it. He got into bed, pondered over the curious happenings of the night for a few minutes, and then slid into an uneasy sleep in which spook trains, Peters... And Timmy kept doing most peculiar things. He was glad to awake in the bright sunny morning and find his mother shaking him. Get up, Jock. You're very late. Whatever's made you so sleepy? We're halfway through breakfast. Peters apparently didn't say anything to Jock's stepfather about seeing Jock in the night. Jock was very thankful. He began to plan how he could slip off to the others at the camp. He'd take them some food. That would be a fine excuse. Mum, can I take a basket of stuff to the campers, he said after breakfast. They must be running short now. Well, that boy is coming, said his mother. What's his name? Cecil something? Your father says he's such a nice boy. You did enjoy your day with him yesterday, didn't you? Jock would have said quite a lot of uncomplimentary things about dear Cecil if his stepfather had not been there sitting by the window reading the paper. As it was, he shrugged his shoulders and made a face, hoping that his mother would understand his feelings. She did. Well, what time is Cecil coming, she said. Perhaps there's time for you to run to the camp with a basket. I don't want him running off up there, said Mr Andrews, suddenly butting into the conversation and putting down his newspaper. Cecil may be here at any minute and I know what Jock is. He'd start talking to those kids and forget all about coming back. Cecil's father is a great friend of mine and Jock's got to be polite to him and be here to welcome him. There's to be no running off to that camp today. Jock looked sulky. Why must his stepfather suddenly interfere in his plans like this? Rushing him off to town, making him take Cecil for a friend. 
just when some other children had come into his rather lonely life and livened it up too. It was maddening. Perhaps I can go up to the camp myself with some food, said his mother comfortingly. Or maybe the children will come down for some. Jock was still sulky. He stalked out into the yard and went to look for Biddy. She was with her pups who were now trying to crawl around the shed after her. Jock hoped the campers would come to fetch food themselves that day. Then at least he could get word, a word with them. Oh, Cecil arrived by car. He was about the same age as Jock, although he was small for 12 years old. He had curly hair which was too long and his grey flannel suit was very, very clean and well-pressed. Hello, he called to Jock. I've come. What shall we play at? Soldiers? No, Red Indians, said Jock, who had suddenly remembered his old Red Indian headdress with masses of feathers around it and a trail of them falling down the back. He rushed indoors, grinning. He changed into the whole suit and put on his headdress. He took his paint box and hurriedly painted a frightful pattern of red, blue and green on his face. He found his tomahawk and went downstairs. He would play at Red Indians and scalp that annoying, pale face. Cecil was wandering around by himself. To his enormous horror, as he turned a corner, a most terrifying figure rose up from behind a wall, gave a horrible yell and pounced on him, waving what looked like a dangerous chopper. Cecil turned and fled, howling loudly, with Jock leaping madly after him, whooping for all he was worth and thoroughly enjoying himself. He had had to play at soldiers all the day before with dear Cecil, so he didn't see why dear Cecil shouldn't play Red Indians all day with him today. Just at that moment, the four campers arrived to fetch food, with Timmy running beside them. They stopped in amazement at the sight of Cecil running like the wind, howling dismally, and a fully dressed and painted Red Indian leaping fiercely after him. Jock saw them, did a comical war dance all around them, much to Timmy's amazement, yelled dramatically, pretended to cut off Timmy's tail and then tore after the vanishing Cecil. The children began to laugh helplessly. Oh dear, said Anne with tears of laughter in her eyes. That must be Cecil he's after. I suppose this is Jock's revenge for having to play soldiers all day with him yesterday. <laughs> Look, there they go round the pigsty. Poor Cecil, he really thinks he's going to be scalped. Cecil disappeared into the farm kitchen sobbing and Mrs Andrews ran to comfort him. Jock made off back to the others, grinning all over his war-painted face. Hello, he said. I'm just having a nice quiet time with dear Cecil. I'm so glad to see you. I wanted to come over, but my father, stepfather said I wasn't to. I must play with Cecil. Isn't he frightful? Awful, everyone agreed. I say, will your mother be furious with you for frightening Cecil like that? Perhaps we'd better not ask her for any food yet, said Julian. Uh, yeah, you'd better wait a bit, said Jock, leading them to the sunny side of the haystack they had rested by before. 
Hello, Timmy. Did you get back all right last night? Jock had completely forgotten that the girls didn't know of the happenings of the night before. Both Anne and George at once pricked up their ears. Julian frowned at Jock and Dick gave him a secret nudge. What's up? said George, seeing all this by-play. What happened last night? Oh, I just came to have a little night talk with the boys and Timmy walked back with me, said Jock airily. Hope you didn't mind him coming, George. George flushed an angry red. You're keeping something from me, she said to the boys. Yes, you are. I know you are. I believe you went off to the railway yard last night. Did you? There was an awkward silence. (sighs) Julian shot an annoyed look at poor Jock, who could have kicked himself. Go on, tell me, persisted George, an angry frown on her forehead. You beasts, you did go, and you never woke me up to go with you. I do think you're mean. Did you see anything, said Anne, her eyes going from one boy to the other. Each of the girls sensed that there had been some kind of adventure in the night. Well, began Julian, and then there was an interruption. Cecil came round the haystack, his eyes red with crying. He glared at Jock. Your father wants you, he said. You're to go at once. You're a beast and I want to go home. Can't you hear your father yelling for you? He's got a stick. But I'm not sorry for you. I hope he whacks you hard. Ooh, that doesn't sound very good, does it? My goodness. So, um, that's the end of chapter 11. So tomorrow, we'll all gather at the same place for chapter 12. Same place, same time. What do you reckon? Um, And then we'll see what happens when... Hopefully, Jock will not get beaten with a stick, because that does not sound very nice, does it? So, uh, you all have a great, great day, um, and I will see you all again tomorrow. But make sure you take care and stay safe, and I'll see you all again tomorrow, okay? Bye for now!